Good morning, everyone. Aloha. Aloha to you guys online, connected. It's so great to see everyone here this morning to come and worship the Lord, to seek Him today. And uh, what a great time in the presence of the Lord right now. It's just been such a nice time. Isn't it great to just sit? It's just so great to be in His presence, to feel the Spirit moving and on. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really moved today in that way. Well, um, if you can grab your Bibles now and open them up to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, and we return now to Revelation after last week. We took a little break and uh, uh, went to the book of Luke for a couple verses or so, but now we're back in the book of Revelation, and if you missed... Last week, I encourage you to pick it up on our podcast, Spotify, or even catch it on our YouTube channel. Um, I really felt, I was telling someone uh, this past week that um, the reason why I, I really, like, stopped, God stopped me. I was starting to study this chapter we're going to look at today, and all of a sudden it was like, I just felt nothing. It was like, bleh, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> And I was praying all day, and I thought, God, what, what, what is this? I was, maybe it's me or some attack. And I kept praying, but toward the evening, I just started praying, thinking, well, wow, Lord, I think you want me to do something else. And um, then the big question is, God, what? <laughs> you know, what is it? What is it that you want? And uh, in the evening, he led my thoughts to Luke 22 and what we saw last week. So, Uh, If the Holy Spirit really spoke to you and it was timely, it's because of God. And it's because God loves you and cares for you and sees your needs. So understand that. And every time we open His Word, you know what? God is here. God has sovereignly put you here, connected you online, or maybe you're you're, um, logging or connecting in, you know, it's past this Sunday, and it's, you know what, and you're listening to this. This is the Lord bringing you together with Him. And I believe what we're going to look at today is in the same way. We're going to hear God speak to us, and He's going to speak to us about heaven. So let's pray. Lord, as we seek You today, we are attentive, God, because we know we're not here by chance. We're not connected online by chance. We're not listening in, God, by chance, but it's Your sovereign plan in moving us here to listen in and to study your word. And so with that in mind, God, our, our, we are attentive. Our hearts are open to you, God. We, we want to hear your voice. We want to have your word free us and heal us and transform us. And God, I pray for that today, God. That you would give us, Lord, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. A mind to understand these deep truths in front of us. And especially a heart to receive them and apply it into our lives. So God, here we are. We offer ourselves up to you right now. And God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to give us understanding. For your Holy Spirit to anoint your word right now in this time. In Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. Amen. On a clear night, the grandfather was taking his uh, uh, granddaughter for a walk, his small granddaughter for a walk. In the evening skies, it was clear. The stars were beautiful as they dotted the night sky, and it seemed to 
twinkle, each star, as the grandfather pointed to each one by name and by constellation. Well, the granddaughter felt that this was the most amazing thing she ever saw. And she exclaimed, wow, Grandpa, it looks like the bottom side of heaven. And if the bottom side of heaven is so beautiful, just think how wonderful the top side must be. I like that. Perhaps uh, those beautiful starry nights is just that. Maybe it's a glimpse into what heaven might be like. But I think it'll be just a tiny peak. I think it's going to be much, much more than we can imagine. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, this is the NLT. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. Today, as we return to our study through the book of Revelation, we actually come to a chapter that gives us a glimpse of heaven, a peek into what is coming, a peek into the future eternal realm. And so, as I pray, may the Holy Spirit give us understanding in what we see today, the sneak peek into forever. And that's the title of our message today, the sneak peek into forever. Now, I have an outline for you. It's a, a, we're going to be covering Revelation 21, 1 through 5, but today we're not going to get into all of these verses. And so that's why it says part one on, on the screen. But our outline today, or for this whole section, is this the place of eternity, the presence of God, the paradise of the soul, and the promise of Jesus. So all that we're going to see is really just a sneak peek. It's, it, 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 it's not everything. I'm going to do my best to help you understand what we're reading here today. And it was my plan to take the whole set of five verses. But as I got into, into this study, it just was so much more. And it, 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 I just was flooded with, with a lot of thoughts and information in my mind. So that's why today we're going to take a sneak peek into forever, but it's only part one. I don't know how many parts it's going to be, uh, maybe at the most three, maybe two parts. But we're in part one today, and we're only going to take the first part of the outline I gave you. And that's number one, the place of eternity. So you can write this down, number one in this outline of this sneak peek into forever, of the verses we're going to cover eventually, verses one through five, we're going to look at number one, the place now, the place of eternity. And today we are only going to cover two verses, verses one and two, as we really dive deep into what we're learning here, what John is bringing us. So I want you to also maybe put on your thinking caps. I'm going to do my best to help you understand what we're seeing, what John is re- uh, God is revealing to us, what John has written. So this is a sneak peek into forever, and we're going to look at the place now, the place of eternity. Let's take a look here. Verse 1 now, verse 1. It says here in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. 
Okay, we're going to stop there for a moment. For, we're going to sit on this really actually for a while. Now we begin with John writing here in verse 1, just three words. And he says, then I saw. So in succession to what he's been writing about, this is what he sees Next, this is what really we could say comes in chronological order after all that we saw. So John's writing here, he says, then I saw. John records what happens next, what happens after. And I've given you sort of a timeline before, but, but, but let me just give you this broad timeline. What happens after, after the rapture, right, and the church is taken home, after the Ezekiel 38-39 prophecy when God saves Israel from that attack of the coalition of nations with Russia and the Muslim nations, after the seven-year tribulation, right, after that starts, the rise of the Antichrist, how he get, deceives the world along with Satan to worship him as God and to make allegiance to him by taking the mark, and how during the seven years of tribulation we had the judgments poured out right the seven seals the seven trumpets the seven bowls so after the rapture after the prophecy of ezekiel 38 39 after the seven year tribulation then after jesus returns the second coming of jesus when the armies are gathered in armageddon and jesus defeats them all and then after his second coming uh, he sets up the Thousand-year millennium, right? The millennium year. So after the second coming, after thousand-year millennium, and then after the great white throne judgment of all unbelievers. So after all that, God shows John what, and listen to this, what is the final destiny of all believers? So, you, so I want to put that in your mind. That when John writes, then I saw, we're coming into the end goal here. We're coming into this finish line of where God is going to take all believers into for the rest of eternity. So what John brings to us in chapter 21 is this glimpse of this final eternal state. What God is going to have for us believers in Jesus Christ, are saved in Jesus. And, and this is it. This is going to be for the rest of our eternal lives. And so that's why this is the sneak peek into forever, into our future destiny. Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote this, in this chapter, he's talking about Revelation 21, in this chapter, we see that the history of time is finished and the history of eternity is about to begin, or it's beginning. I, I love that thought, though, yeah? That time has ended, that, that the history of, of everything that we know it today and what we read about and what's coming in the future, it's finished, and now as we come into verse 1, and John says, Then I saw and of Revelation 21, it's the beginning of the history of eternity beginning. So we're getting into some incredible things here. So if you can keep that in mind that we're peering into like eternal things of this final future uh, place we're going to be, uh, that God is, is giving us, it's like he's peeling, yeah? He's, he's peeling the, the side, you know, of the box of the wrapper and giving us a little peek into, you know what this is? This is the eternal state. 
And if you could keep that in mind, then that can help you to understand what we're going to be looking at today and in the next weeks. So, I want to talk about here, under the place of eternity, three things that God is revealing to us in these two verses. In this, the place of eternity. And here's the first thing, and you can write this down. Number one is a completely different realm. This place of eternity is basically a completely different realm. Take a look at verse 1 again. John here, he records, Then I saw, what did he see? A new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now stop right there. So after the millennium, right? After the great white throne uh, judgment, what we saw in chapter 20, then John sees this new heaven and this new earth. God basically creates a totally new thing here. That's what he's saying. Why is that? Well, for the first one, or we should say the old one, yeah, the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. It was burned. It was demolished to make way for this new world, this new, uh, basically, realm. Now, I want you to understand something here. When John writes heaven here, a new heaven, new earth. When he says heaven here and he writes that, he is talking about the whole universe. He's talking about space. He's talking about where stars uh, hang, where planets are, where galaxies exist, and where our own planet, the earth, is there, right? Hanging there in space. Now, we find in ancient times there was actually three heavens they would refer to. In Old Testament, heaven, actually, the Hebrew word just means heights. So they looked at heavens as as actually three levels, three realms. So the first heaven is basically the sky above, our our air, our atmosphere. Uh, It's like where God had birds fly in, and that's what he called heaven in Genesis 1.20. Now, The first heaven is the atmosphere. The second heaven is the universe. Space, uh, what's beyond the atmosphere, right? Space, the universe, what are planets, what I just mentioned, where God told Abraham to look to see the stars, right, in the sky, that his people, his descendants, would be as, as numbered of the stars, more than the number of the stars, Genesis 20 to 17. So God said, look to the heavens. He was look, telling him, look to space, look at the stars, look beyond the atmosphere here. And then there's a third heaven. So the first heaven is our atmosphere. The second heaven is like the universe, space. The third heaven is really where believers go after they die. It's where God lives. It's, it's what we think about, oh, when we die, we're going to go to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present to the Lord. We're going to be in heaven. And, and that's what, where Paul was taken to, and he mentions, I went to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. So I understand, there's, there's, in the ancient times, there's three thoughts of heaven. The atmosphere, the universe, and then heaven in all its glory where God lives. Now, here... John speaks of the second 
heaven. The one I, I mentioned. The, the, the one, that's why I said that the whole universe, the space, where the stars are and all of that. Now, how, how do we know that? How, how do we know that? Well, John says the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. Remember, that connects us back to what we talked about in verse 11 of chapter 20. If you look up there, it's, uh, it says, Then I saw a great throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky, or heaven, fled away, and no place was found for them. And we talked about that. Well, I, I, we learned that it's like God's pure pre- white presence had, had burned up the earth, the sky, the universe, everything. We talked about that back in Revelation 20, verse 11. Remember I mentioned how Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. He's talking about the whole universe and the planet. They'll pass away. And then 2 Peter 3.10, he says the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies, what's that? Stars, planets, everything, will be burned up and dissolved. So we talked about that last uh, in well, in, back in a uh, few weeks ago in Revelation 20. And didn't we learn at that moment that the, in Revelation 20 that God had to destroy the first universe, the first earth to make for the new for the whole universe earth right now is tainted with the effects of the fall. Do you remember that? So it had to go to make way for this new heavens and earth that God is going to create. And note this, the third heaven where God dwells, where believers go, right? It's not tainted by sin, right? It doesn't have to go away. It doesn't need to be recreated in, in this sense. So, see here, the old earth, the old universe, it's gone. It's, it's passed away. It's burned up. It's taken away. Why? Because it cannot carry on into the eternal realm. It cannot carry on to go on forever. So, it makes sense, right? That God would make a new heaven and earth that can carry on forever into eternity. And it makes sense that God uncreates, we could say, I mentioned last time in Revelation, he uncreates the universe and the earth. Now, in my limited mind, I have an idea and of how God would uncreate yeah, the heavens and the universe. And I believe it's like God taking his hand off things, taking his hand off and letting go. Remember what Paul wrote when he was talking about Jesus in Colossians 1.17. Uh, in the second part of that verse, Paul wrote, he, well, the verse says, He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. So, talk about Jesus, the Creator, yeah? He's holding creation together. He's, he's, it, it exists because God is holding things together. Now, think about this. We know that all matter is made up of what? Molecules, Right? Everything is made up of molecules. The air, uh, this podium, our Bibles, our bodies. We're made up of molecules. The slower-moving molecules all put together, they they make the hard surfaces. 
the faster ones that move is like water and gas. But, but this whole planet Earth in our atmosphere and universe is made of molecules, a whole bunch of molecules. Now, what are molecules made up of? Well, they are made up of atoms. So there are a bunch of atoms in the, in the molecules, right? And so atoms make up the molecules. And, and what's, in, what's inside the atoms? What makes up atoms? Well, inside, scientists have found a nucleus and an electron orbiting the nucleus. And some elements have more electrons and some less and all that. I don't know if you remember science in, in school, but, but just follow me here. So we have molecules, and molecules are made up of atoms, and inside an atom is a nucleus and an electron orbiting, right? Now, the electron is a negative charge particle. The, the nucleus is positively charged. And a lot of the scientists say, well, that's how the electrons keep orbiting the, the uh, nucleus because of these opposite charges kind of makes this gravity and it keeps the electrons moving around. Isn't this trippy? This is matter. This is, this is what it is. But what's interesting is inside the nucleus, yeah, at the center of the atom where these electrons are, are rotating around, are two elements they call neutrons and protons. Neutrons, they don't have any charge. Protons are charged positively, and that's why the nucleus is more positive. Now, what scientists don't fully understand is how these protons in the center of the atom, now these protons, can stay together in the nucleus because the same charges would repel each other, kind of like a magnet. So, uh, they don't fully understand that. They know electrons go around. They believe that the positive of the, the, the nucleus keeps them like in orbit, uh, kind of like um, in space. But in the nucleus, what, 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 what keeps it together? What is putting, making these positive uh, 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 protons stay together in the nucleus and not just coming apart? Well, you know what they call it, they call it atomic glue. Literally, that's what they call it. Or I was reading an article, they call it a strong force, quote-unquote. That's what keeps the protons together with the electrons going around. Well, I know what keeps the atom together, and I have, it's by another name, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He holds all things, creation in his hand. I believe that's what it means. So can you imagine when the Lord is holding together every atom, yeah, every nucleus, and he lets go? What's going to happen? It's going to fly apart. I mean, what happens when you split an atom? You live in a nuclear age, right? Oh, a nuclear bomb, right? Scientists have come to know how to split that atom and make this devastating uh, a weapon, right? So think about that. No wonder Peter says it's all going to burn, it's all going to dissolve when Jesus lets it go. So when we read here in verse 1 that the old earth and universe passes away, I think God just goes, let it go, let it go. No. But, yeah, 
So then it, it's all gone. Fire. It's gone. Just a side note. You ever wonder, like, well, if that happens, what's left? <laughs> what's left? Yeah. I think that's where God is. <laughs> so God then creates a totally new earth, a totally new universe. And think about this, a whole new realm. A whole new realm. Nothing like we, we can imagine. Yeah? We, we live in this world of, of matter, right? And gases and liquids. and They're molecules made up of atoms. And, but once that's all gone, he makes something totally different that will go on for eternity. A whole new, I emphasize, realm. When John here in verse 1 says he saw a new heaven and a new earth, that, that, he uses a particular Greek word for new. He did not use neos, which is new as opposed to old. In other words, this new universe and, and new earth, it, it isn't a new model of the same old type, basically. No, John uses a Greek word, kainos, which is new, that is completely different from the old version. A completely different realm God is going to create. Something so different from how the world is as we know it today. Where we live on this earth, where this earth hangs, the new realm is going to be completely different. Where, where, where the universe is and goes, it's going to be completely different. I know this is like, oh, this is too much to think, but, but I hope you understand that the world and universe that we know today, it's going to be not here. There's going to be something new, completely different. Did you know this, that the fast food restaurant Taco Bell originally started as a hot dog stand? I was reading about that. I go, what? No way. Yes. Glenn Bell, his last name is Bell. I thought it was about the bell, right? Ding. Oh, I got to go talk about. But um, first started Bell's Drive-In Hot Dog Stand in 1948. But you know what happened? Across the street, he saw all these people lined up at this Mexican restaurant. So he changed from selling hot dogs to hard shell tacos. And that was the beginning of Taco Bell. So think about that. Same owner, same selling food, but now offering something completely different. Yeah? Completely different. So that's like this idea. There's a new universe, a new earth, a new realm now created in a completely different way, a different realm. Because you know what? This one is going to last forever. It's going to go on into eternity. This is our final destination. When we talk about eternal life, this is it. This is what we're talking about. You know, I was reading how just um, there was a lot of articles actually last year and into this year. The second brightest star that we can see is um, Betelgeuse. It's over 724 light years away. It means, and this is the technical term, it means it's really, really far away get that. No, see, one light year is 
the distance light travels in one year, which is six trillion miles. So the brightest star that we can see, Betelgeuse, is six trillion miles times 724 away. That's why I say, you know what? That means it's far. A light year means it's really, really far. Well, research, researchers say this massive star, this huge star, which is, which is over 1,000 times the size of our own sun, is dying. This star is burning out. They say it's nearing the end of its life. And the uh, heading on the article, one article I read said, it's, it's taking its dying breath. Now, we shouldn't be surprised because today we live in a universe, right? Of time, of um, where the law of entropy exists, right? Entropy is, is how things go from order to disorder, from new to old, and eventually things die and decay. That's our universe. That's our earth. That's us as human beings, right? Animals, plants, we understand the laws of entropy. But God will make a new earth, a new universe that will be able to exist in the eternal realm, to be able to go on forever. Do you understand what we're seeing here? No more law of entropy. No more stars dying out. No more planets decaying in orbit. No more sun burning out. This will be a whole new eternal realm. You know, I was thinking about just the scope of this new universe and new earth. I mean, um, when we read it here, I think, oh yeah, earth. You know, I picture this blue planet right in space. Oh, okay, the universe. Think, think of, you know, Pluto and, uh, you know, planets at the edge of our solar system. But I started to think more. My mind was overwhelmed with the thought of how incredibly huge this change, huge in scope, this is going to be. Astronomers say that the farthest star in the Milky Way galaxy, which our solar system sits in, is part of the Milky Way galaxy, is about 775,000 light years away. That's like a thousand times farther than Betelgeuse. That's like the farthest star. That's just our galaxy. They also say beyond our galaxy, they are not billions more, but I read recently two trillion galaxies in, quote-unquote, the observable universe. I kind of wonder who counted that, right? But that's what scientists say. So you can imagine the expanse of our galaxy, and even beyond that, there's more galaxies, I mean, basically, think about this. If you go to the end of our solar system, say you go to Pluto, and and you go to the edge, we're barely leaving our our property, our front yard. There's much more subdivisions out there. There's much more way out there. So you can imagine now the scope of this. When we read, John sees a new heaven and new earth, because the old passed away. Whoa, this this is like, this is huge. God is going to take all of this and create something completely different. The new earth will reside in a new universe 
And this will be, you guys, the place of eternity for us. You know, I was thinking about in the same way like God's going to make something completely new and different. And we believe it by faith. We're reading it. and We're we're receiving it. Okay, God, you're going to do this. Understand that God has made you new also. A new creation. When you come to Jesus Christ, there's a change inside of us. And we should believe that by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you're in Christ today, you are a new creation. God has made you new. And as new as he's going to make this whole new heavens and earth, he has made you new and made you to live in a new realm, so to speak, the realm of having Jesus in your life. So understand that and live that. All right. So God is revealing to us here, number one, a completely different realm. Number two, the second thing out of three things we're going to see in these two verses. Number two is God is revealing to us a completely different existence. Now, this goes along with what we just uh, read. And, it, and John says it at the end of verse one. He says that, well, after the you know, old earth and uh, universe had passed away, he describes that this new realm, there was no sea. The sea was no more. What? No ocean? What? No surf? What? No diving or deep sea fishing? Oh, no. Well, I, I think I'll be satisfied in different ways, you know. Uh, plus, they, there is, we're going to talk about later, uh, in weeks later, about the river of life, so maybe there'll be some surf there. But why is there no more sea? I mean, this is really different, isn't it? 70% of the earth is covered with the ocean. We understand that water is, is basic to life on this planet. Right? We understand that. The earth is a water planet. I mean, look at the pictures of the earth from space. It's what? A blue planet. Why? Because of the oceans, right? Water is, is essential to biological life here, our life here too. And what does the ocean do? How did God make this? Well, because we need water, right? There's that hydrological uh, cycle, right? The ocean, the seawater, evaporates, goes into the air, condenses in clouds. The clouds form, they go over the land, and what happens? Rain comes down, yeah? And the rain comes down. When the rain comes down, it forms lakes and pools and ponds, streams and rivers, and then the water goes back into the ocean. There's that cycle, right, of water, salt water, fresh water. It it just goes around and around. And so life can survive, right? Plants can survive, animals, and us human beings, we can survive because we cannot survive without water. Isn't that right? We need water to live. 90% of our blood is water. 65% of our bodies is water. If no water, we die. But there's no ocean here. What? Wait, wait, what's that? Well, we're not in this physical body anymore, right? We're in our glorified bodies. You see, in this eternal realm, there won't be any need for any 
water. There's no need. It's not based on the physical, uh, our life isn't based on the physical properties of water. And and, uh, as I mentioned later, we're going to see there is a water, river of of water of life. But that's going to be a little bit different. We'll talk about that. But in that physical sense of H2O, we won't need it. In this whole new eternal realm, won't need it. So this will be a completely different existence. Do you understand that? John MacArthur wrote, The new heaven and the new earth will be based on completely different life principle than the present universe. So the basis of life, we know, is water, right? But this new realm is going to be a different existence, and there's not going to be those same biological principles. Last December in 2021, um, scientists reported that the ExoMars Orbiter, it's this it's satellite orbiting Mars, had detected water under the surface in a canyon on that red planet. They say this could be ice or water attached to minerals in the soil but with the hydrogen uh, uh, molecules that they, they found. I thought that was interesting that a satellite can actually see all that and how they they can come to that conclusion. But they're like, whoa, there is water on Mars. And we've heard that for a long time. What's but what's the big deal about finding water on Mars? Right? What's what's that big deal? Well, because in this universe that we live in, where there is water, there is what? Life. Right? So Scientists think, wow, maybe there's some alien bacteria living on Mars. The first aliens, you know? All the movies we watch and stuff, what, 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 what do the humans traveling space in, space in 2080, what, you know, what do they look for? A planet with water and air, of course, but, yeah? So we have this mindset of this water-based life yeah, but what God is making, there's no more sea. And that, there is, it's not based on water. That's why he, uh, John sees and he writes, there is no more sea. You know, I was thinking about how like the whole, this whole new realm and existence, um, uh, you know, different from biological life that we know today uh, and how that's going to be in a place of eternity. I was thinking about us right now. As we believers, you know, we live sort of a different existence. In other words, we no longer live to the wishes of our sinful flesh. We've been freed from that bondage, right? And so we live a different existence, you guys. We live by the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. We live by a totally different, like MacArthur says, life principle. I just remember that. So, God is revealing to us here a completely different realm. It's this eternal realm, this eternal state. A completely different existence. We'll have our glorified bodies. It's not like this physical life and all that we see here. And then number three, we come to number three, a completely different arrangement. A completely different arrangement. And here we get to verse 2 here. Verse 2, Revelation 21 says, Then I saw 
or excuse me, verse 2, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So the new earth, the new universe has been set. Then what does John see next? He sees the holy, holy city, the new Jerusalem descending down into this, this whole eternal realm that God has set up. So the new Jerusalem is coming down. Now, understand, this is not the ancient city of Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem, which you can still visit today. By the way, even the old ancient city has been called holy. The holy in the scripture, when it says that, it's because it's been set apart unto God. There's a, actually a second Jerusalem, a millennial Jerusalem, where Jesus comes when he rules and reigns on that thousand years on, on the earth. He sets up his government there, the capital of the world. And it's holy because Jesus reigns and lives there. But this is a third Jerusalem. And the third Jerusalem is a new Jerusalem, new. And it's holy because you know what? We see it come down from heaven where God dwells. And because we're going to see the holy people of God live there, right? There's no unbelievers anymore. We all have our glorified bodies. We've all been made righteous and holy and we're perfected now. And so the people of God will live in there. So this is, this is the holy city. This is the eternal city now, the central place of the new realm. Just put that into your minds. It's where all glorified believers will live. We're going to get into more detail later in this chapter when we get there. But there's a couple things I want you to see here to help you understand this. And, and first understand this. The new Jerusalem is our place to live in heaven. And I'll add relocated. All right? Relocated. And I think the, the best way to, to really put this in your mind is, is, is first of all, the, the new Jerusalem is our home in heaven. When, if we were to die today, or anyone we know who believes in Christ has died, you know what? They're in this new Jerusalem. They're in what is termed as the heavenly Jerusalem. Understand that heaven is a place. It's not some spiritual analogy or something like that, but it's an actual place. And this new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, is our home in eternity. All right? I understand that. Yeah. Later we're going to see this new Jerusalem coming down. We're going to get into more detail. It's huge. It's like 1,500 miles cubed. And I know that's hard to understand, but we'll get into that later. But the new Jerusalem is actually our home in heaven. Remember how Abraham in Hebrews 11.10, it says he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. And who was what was Abraham looking toward? Heaven, right? This was heaven. This is the new Jerusalem. In Hebrews 12.22, it says that Mount Zion is the heavenly Jerusalem. Calls it Jerusalem there. And it describes there in that verse, that's where angels are, where the church is, where God is, where Jesus is. So that heavenly Jerusalem is this new Jerusalem. And, and so 
understand this. I think the best way to understand what we're seeing here is our home in heaven is the heavenly Jerusalem, a.k.a. the new Jerusalem. Does that make sense? So heaven, our home, this is the new Jerusalem coming down into this eternal realm. So understand, first of all, the new Jerusalem is our home in heaven. And then this home, what we're seeing today, is our home is being relocated. Yeah, It's being relocated. Now, when John writes here that uh, he sees the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, it really infers, and most all commentators believe this, that God did not just make this heaven. It, it was already existing. It had already been made, but now it's moving. It's coming from the heaven, what we think about today, to this new realm, this new heaven, this new universe. So it indicates that this Jerusalem has been around for a long time. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Turn to the left. And we have this great verse, these verses, verses 1 through 3. It's so comforting for us today. But uh, take a look here. Jesus is speaking here in John chapter 14. John 14, in verse 1, he says here, Let not your hearts... Be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And in verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. The old King James's mansions, right? If it were not so, would I have told you that I go what? To prepare a place for you. And then verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So the idea here is that Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to go. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to be resurrected. And then I'll ascend into heaven. When I ascend into heaven, you know, believe this. Know, know that there's hope. Because you know what? In my Father's house, there's going to be a place for you. In my Father's house, there's many mansions or rooms, a, a home for you, a place for you to, to live. And if I told you, you know what? It's going to happen because... I'm going to go. When I go, I'm going to be preparing that place for you. So he's been preparing this place this whole time for believers to go to, that we would have a home in heaven, a place, an actual place, a place where we will be living. And this is the heavenly Jerusalem. And, and then Jesus says in John 14, 3, that I'm going to go prepare that place. But you know what? I will come again. And take you to myself. What is that talking about? I believe that is referring to the rapture of the church. So I believe by the time the rapture happens, it's going to be complete. So when we go home with the Lord forever, First Thessalonians 4, 17, right? We're going to go and be with Jesus forever because he says, yeah, I will, I, um, where I am, you will be also. We're going to go home to that mansion, to that room, to what? Well, back in Revelation 21, to the heavenly Jerusalem, a.k.a. the new Jerusalem. So you understand what's going on here. That place, that mansion, that city, where we will be living in 
is going to descend down, be relocated into this whole new eternal realm. You see, no longer is heaven separated from the tainted earth. Yeah? No longer. Yeah? It's not like we can walk there. It's not like we can travel in space and go there. Right? We understand that. But it's separated. Yeah? Because it's tainted with the fall. No longer is it separated because I think its physical properties aren't the same. Right? It's totally different. But now, heaven's home, or this new Jerusalem, sits right in the midst of this whole new universe. So you see, this is, this is our home. This is a city. This is basically heaven being relocated. And so that's why I say this is a completely different arrangement. So with that, let me say this. The new universe and the new earth that is home to the new Jerusalem that is dwelling inside of it, this, in, in this eternal realm, you know what this is? This is our future, quote-unquote, heaven. This will be heaven. This is, I know, I hope that's not confusing, but I hope you understand. This is our future eternal place that we will dwell. So the whole new universe, whole new earth, this new Jerusalem in the midst of it, that will basically be heaven where we will live for eternity. Does that make sense? I hope so. I hope so. So understand, first of all, that the New Jerusalem is our place to live, our home in heaven, relocated. It's been relocated. And there's one more thing I want you to see before we go is that secondly, understand, in this new Jerusalem, believers settle into this final place to live in eternity. That's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to settle in. And that's what John is saying to us at the end of verse 2. So he sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, and it says, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So when John sees this new Jerusalem, he describes it, coming down like a bride adorned for her husband. Like, in other words, like a bride who comes down the aisle at a wedding, beautifully dressed, yeah? Beautifully dressed, what? To take her place next to the groom, and they'll be together forever. That's the picture there, you guys. That's our home. That's the believers, all of us, in that New Jerusalem, coming down, and we're taking our place for the rest of eternity. This is the final arrangement for believers. Jesus told the believer, um, believers in the church of Philadelphia, if you want, you could turn quickly there to Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. Revelation 3, verse 12, he told the believers in the church of Philadelphia, verse 12, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall we go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, what? The new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. So this is it. This is our final destination into eternity. This will be, quote-unquote, home for us. For all believers, the Old Testament saints, the tribulation saints, the Jewish 
believers, the Gentile believers, we'll, we'll all gather together in this one place. Everyone's going to be like the bride of Christ at this moment. But I really believe the picture is all of redeemed. And when Jerusalem's coming down, this heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, into this whole eternal realm, it's like the bride coming in, this beautiful city with the beautiful people in it, the holy people. It's coming down into that place and take that place next to Jesus, the final arrangement for all believers. This is complete, a completely different arrangement where all different levels of society are going to... I mean, there won't be any different levels of society, so everyone will be together in this one place. Everyone, you guys. It won't be like uh, you're living on Pluto, maybe your friend is on Saturn, and, oh, Pastor Rick, he's on Mars. No, we're going to be all together in one place, in the Father's house, in the city of God, in this new Jerusalem. Well, as we kind of wrap up here, I want you to soak this in. This is the reality of what we're heading toward. And maybe heaven seems far away, but especially today and what we live in, especially maybe with what you're going through. But you know what? We're going to be home soon. We're going to be home soon. Yeah? Jesus is going to return any moment. We see the world events. Prophecies have been fulfilled. Prophecies are being ready. They're being set up for other prophecies to be fulfilled. And as it's been said, you know, the next major uh, prophecy that's on God's prophetic calendar the next major event people say on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture but for now soak in what we just read about that this is what's coming and that's going to last you know how long forever what we're living in is temporary yeah what we're going through, it will, it will pass. Because one day we're going to be in heaven forever. So hopefully what we've seen will give us hope to keep going. To keep on going. It's, it's only temporary. We're, we're going to, you know, let it mo- motivate you. Let it, you know, let it help you to keep going. It's like, in Japanese, they say, Gambate, yeah? Keep it up. Keep going. Gambate. Do your best. Let what is up ahead, what we've seen today, motivate you to keep on keeping on going. In John Bunyan's allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, two pilgrims were making their way to the celestial city, which is heaven. And the one asked the main character, Christian, he asked, When do you find yourself in the best, basically, and strongest spiritual state? Well, Pilgrim answers, when I think of the place to which I am going. I love that. That's what motivates me. That's what should motivate us, that we keep going till we get home. 
I'll close with this. Samuel Morrison spent 25 years as a missionary in Africa, and when he finally was called uh, back to America and he was coming back, he traveled home on the same ship that President T. Roosevelt was on, and uh, Roosevelt had, had gone to Africa to hunt. So when they arrived in New York Harbor, the the boat was basically greeted with great fanfare because the president was there, a ticker tape parade, a huge crowd. They all came to greet the president coming back. Well, being unnoticed, it upset Morrison. He disembarked alone, complaining under his breath. He said, Lord, the president kills, goes to Africa, kills animals, and gets all this? But I sacrificed and shared salvation to save lost souls. And now what do I get? Just then, a still small voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to Morrison, saying, You're not home yet. Keep going. Keep going. Because what we've seen today, that's our future. This is all just temporary well this is just part one this is just the beginning of the sneak peek into forever let's pray lord god as we try and understand these things the best we can god it's it can be difficult but we get a a little glimpse of it god lord we get a sneak peek a little taste of 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 what you're going to do and how glorious and wonderful, how amazing it's going to be. And Lord, let those things, I pray, help us to keep going, to not give up. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that is just troubled, Lord. That is, it's hard. It's hard to wake up in the morning. It's hard to go to work. It's hard to be a witness. It's hard to, to smile anymore. Lord, Lord, I pray for anyone who's going through that or anyone who's hurt, suffering under pain, Lord. I pray for anyone who is being burdened by things in the past, regrets, Lord, and sins, Lord. I pray for anyone who feels alone and feels like, Unloved. God, I pray that they would feel your spirit right now. That they would give their heart to you, Jesus, and be saved and redeemed by your blood. I pray for anyone who, who is a believer who's just struggling in this crazy world we live in and relationships that are broken or failing, relationships that are hard. And even being a believer, it's just so hard, Jesus. But help us to know, God, that you are here, that you are still here, that you love us, that you care for us, and that this will all pass. It's temporary. And that we need to keep on, keep going, keep moving forward, obeying you, following your spirit. God, help us today to do that very thing. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes locked upon you, for you are our hope. And help us, Lord, to always go to you no matter what. So we put our hope in you, Jesus. For we have the hope of this incredible heaven 
coming soon. In Jesus' name, amen.